0: As you're being seated, go ahead and find your Bibles. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2 today, Acts chapter 2. We're in this series, ser- series of sermons. I am a church member, and we've been talking about what is the church supposed to be and how can I be a healthy part of the church. You know, the church is one of those places where you show up, but whoever really teaches you how you can be a healthy part of, of a church. And so we've been trying to spend several weeks here looking at what a healthy church and what a healthy church member looks like. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, we see a picture of the early church. Now, a lot of times whenever people think of a, a healthy church, they say, well, it should be just like the New Testament church, but you've got to realize that churches in the New Testament were not perfect either. In fact, they had a lot of problems, and and frequently the letters of the New Testament were written to churches because somewhere along the way they had gotten in an argument, or they had gotten theologically off, and so the Apostle Paul would write to them to try to correct course. But in Acts chapter 2, we find the first church there in Jerusalem, and things are going exactly as they should be. I mean, things are really, they're, they're clicking on all cylinders there in the early church. And so we have this window here, Acts chapter 2, verse 41 is where we're going to begin. So those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. So this was the first megachurch, right? 3,000 people are added to the church, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together, and held all things in common, and they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day,. The Lord added to them those who were being saved. You see, there once was a church where believers lived beyond the worldly devotions of pride and materialism. There once was a church where believers were willing to reach out to the lost and the lonely, the rich and the poor, the young and And the old. There once was a church where they lived life together. They were brothers and sisters, and they were united by the most powerful force in the universe the power of Almighty God. There once was a church that worked together to share the gospel, to find the lost, to equip the saints, to bring glory to God, to impact the world around them. There once was a church where Jesus was Lord and the power of the crimson cross of Calvary was not just a memory that they read about on the pages of Scripture, but the power of the cross was a reality that they experienced in the pages of their life. There once was a church where everyone was filled with awe and their jaws dropped as they saw the mighty works of the Holy Spirit. There once was a church where visions that were contained to humanity's ability were scorned and pushed away, but a vision that was dependent upon God and required faith was readily loved and embraced. There once was a church where the believers were together. They were united in their faith. They had all things in common. It was a church where those that were imprisoned by the chains of sin found freedom. It was a church where the ill found healing, where the weak found sight. There once was a church that knew God in their hearts and not just in their minds. Their hearts were glad. Their hearts were sincere. There was a joy in the church, and I believe they had a laughter amongst themselves It was a contagious joy that could pierce the heart of even the most cynical and angry amongst them. They drew others to the cross through unity of vision rather than pushing them away from the cross through diversity of preference. There once was a church that refused to spend its time just maintaining tradition building programs, and worshiping numbers. But instead, that church worked together with God-breathed creativity to build godly disciples. And as they worked together, the credit all went to God. There once was a church whose legacy is the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There once was a church. When I look at this church here in Acts, there, there is one inescapable truth that just reaches out and grabs me and I can't get away from it. It's so simple and yet so powerful. They cared. They cared. They cared about God They cared about one another, and they cared about others as well. Whenever I was in Austin pastoring, the church there in Austin was a a small neighborhood church. We had about 150 that would gather on Sundays, and so uh, we didn't have a big staff, and so a lot of things filtered through me. And as a pastor in a church like that, you're constantly getting hit by different ideas and So one day, the fellowship team came to me and said, hey, pastor, can we have a potluck after church on June 22nd? I was like, that sounds great. I love a Baptist potluck. Let's have a potluck. So we scheduled it. Then the missions team came to me a couple weeks later and said, hey, uh, it's World Hunger Sunday coming up. We really need to raise an offering for that and, and make sure that emphasis is put in the church towards hunger, because that's a big deal in our world, and so can we, can we do that? I was like, sure, let's put it on the calendar. Uh, June 22nd was the date, and so uh, here it came, and we had this big emphasis in our service on world hunger, and we took up an offering for those that were hungry in our world, and we had a great worship time, and then we dismissed church, and we went back to the fellowship hall, and we had this gluttonous potluck. I mean, it was a good potluck. You know, the casseroles and the desserts and all those things. Mark, dug I get an amen from you on something like that? That's right. You grew up a Baptist preacher's kid. You know you know about those potlucks, don't you? Yeah, so we, had, we just had a good time, and I was thinking as I was eating that meal just how ironic that was here we are enjoying a feast on the very day that we prayed for and talked about world hunger and as I think about the church in America I think many of us we we are enjoying this feast of blessing and we're 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 taking in taking in taking in And we take all this in, and sometimes we forget about the fact that in the world around us, there are many people that are starving spiritually. But this Acts church cared about others. If you look at the passage, you notice that they were going to the temple courts. Now, what was happening in the temple courts? That's where the people gathered for community there in Jerusalem. So they went to where the people were. The Bible says they were winning favor with all the people. The way in which they were going about their Christianity was winning the favor of the people. People could see that there was something about their life that was refreshing and attractive. And the Lord was adding to that church's number daily those who were being saved. The church was growing not because the Second Baptist Church of Jerusalem was fighting, And a people came over to them. The church was growing because people were getting saved. That was what was happening there. They were constantly caring about others. We live in a very, very nice part of of Texas uh, a nice part, I sort of say, the country of Texas. We, we really live in a great place here in, in North Dallas. And I know that probably most of us don't consider ourselves well off, but if you look at the broad scope of humanity, we're all living pretty nicely. And it's not unusual in this area to have 3,000 square foot homes, to have nice cars, to have uh, the ability to go on vacation, send our kids to summer camp eat out some, we have chandeliers in our McDonald's, I still can't get over that, you know, chandeliers in, in our McDonald's, and, and we look at all this, and it's very nice, and we sometimes just think to ourselves, Th- this is all normal. For many in our community, the, the roar of that nice engine, the sparkle of the diamond, the calm of that upcoming vacation, the dreams that they have for their children, That's all they have. And so when the kids leave, when the engine shuts down, when the diamond or the marriage that it represents loses its luster, when the vacation comes to an end, whenever those dreams that were written for their family and their children turn into nightmares, for many in our community, all that's left is this deep, deep emptiness. And I, I think we have to realize that the pe- there are people in your family, there are people living on your street, there are people in your school, there are people in your workplace that you laugh with, and, and they're not all okay. Many of them are hurting deeply. Pain's the common denominator of humankind. We we all hurt, and we all need somebody just to care. Someone to reach out to us and be concerned and to care about the pain that's going on in our lives. You see, behind every beautiful Facebook picture, there's always a hurting soul. There's something going on in that person's life where there's pain. And and as a church, we can never be content with feasting while the world starves, we have to be willing to love others and, and care about others. Now notice also this church here in Acts, they cared about one another. The passage says that they gave to each person as they had need. Now, they were going through crisis because they had become believers in Jerusalem. Many of them probably lost their jobs, lost a lot of their ability to generate income. This was a a massive change in their lives to become a believer in Jesus, And, and they took care of each other. The crisis situation reached a point where they literally had to gather all their goods together to make sure that everybody had what they needed. But they ate together, they reached out to others. They had a simplicity about their lifestyle, but they also had a joy. And they had this strong bond, the strong unity, because they were gathered together by a genuine love for Jesus Christ. They, they cared about one another. Last summer, we, we had a service day, and we went down to the North Texas Food Bank down in Dallas, and then... After that, we went and got a hamburger at the Twisted Root hamburger place. Some of you, I think, Rick, you were there that day, and a few of you guys were there. And so, you know, we went down to Twisted Root and got a, got a hamburger, it's okay, you know, it's a good burger. But, uh, so we, we were eating there, and as we were finishing up our meal, I, I was sitting at a table with about 10 adults, and I looked over, and there were about 15 teenagers sitting at another table. And, and I noticed something as I just looked at the people sitting around the table. I noticed that many of us, in fact, probably about 75 to 80% of us, were sitting at the table with our friends like this, doing that. And I just had this moment, I thought, this is really weird. We're sitting here with real people eating a meal on our phones. Talking to people, Facebooking people, texting people that aren't right in front of us. That's kind of odd. You know, I mean, here we are. Some of y'all are doing that right now. You know, uh, you know right here at this table. But instead of talking to the people in front of us, we're talking to other people. The, the communication age has drastically changed our civilization, and don 't get me wrong, I 'm not against um, the expanse of communications. I, I use it all the time. I do think our society in some ways, is still adjusting to what it's like to have George Jetson gadgets in our pocket, and, and how are we going to actually function as a society with this multi-dimensional communications? And one of the things that is happening is that many of us are connected with a lot of people in fairly shallow, superficial, non-face-to-face ways. We're connected with a lot of people, but we're actually becoming more disconnected with the people that are right in front of us, with the people that we love. We also have this reality in the communications age that we live in that we hear about so much every day. You hear about crime and you hear about wars and you hear about who won the world cup over in Brazil or who won the game over in Brazil match I'm sorry soccer fans you know we we learn about all these different things every day and we're just flooded with all this information and one of the challenges that we have is we learn about so much and there's so little that we can actually do about it Go back to whenever the 9/11 tragedy happened the world trade center's fell and, and what did many of us do through that tragedy? We sat and watched it day after day in our homes. We had 24-hour news. We had the Internet. And so we saw the planes run into the building over and over again. We saw the wreckage. We saw people uh, be interviewed. We saw the people grieving. And we lived that day after day after day. If you go back to other times in society, something like that happens. You read about it in the newspaper. Maybe you see one picture. Maybe uh, you see a, a reel of it happen at the movie theater. But, but you don't relive it over and over and over again. In fact, psychologists were talking about that, that some people actually face trauma or dealt with trauma because they saw that happen so many times in their television screens. On their television or their computer screens. Uh, my, my point in all this is this. All these things happen, and and we live them, and we engage in them, and we invest emotional energy in them, and that's not wrong to do. Yet at the same time, there's so little that you can do about any of it. My ability to really change anything is, is minimal because these things are happening way outside my sphere of influence, but right here in our church, right here in your life group, Right here in your community, in the school where your kids attend, at the place where you work, the neighborhood where you live, right here, you can have real friendships. Right here, you can make a real difference. Right here, there are hurting people that you can love. And and we can walk together, and we can live out what it means to love one another. God has given us opportunities in real time with real people to live life together and to care about one another. And there's nothing wrong with being connected to the world uh, around us, but let's make sure that as we're connecting to the world around us that we don't disconnect from the people that are right in front of us. Because God's called us as a church to care about one another, to love one another, to bear one another's burdens, and to be there whenever we're hurting. Thirdly, notice this church cared about God. Let's read the passage again, beginning in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. So they were devoted to teaching of the Word of God, to spending time together, to the Lord's Supper and and fellowshipping together, and, and to praying for one another. And then fear came over everyone. And many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Their jaws were dropping because God was doing incredible things in the church, and now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex, and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God. Okay, who was getting the credit? God. They they were doing all these things, and as they were doing it, they weren't weren't puffing up their chest and saying, hey, look at us. You know, hey, we're the biggest church in town. You're the only church in town. Yeah, but we're still the biggest. (laughs) They weren't trying to look good doing it. They were praising God, and they had a humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. There is nothing about this church that says self-help with a twist of Jesus. There's nothing about this church that says it was just about behavioral modification. There's nothing about this church that says it was a Christian-themed country club. Everything about this church points back to the fact that they were praising God and that he was at the center of who they are and what they were doing. God was doing a work in their hearts and the work that God was doing in their hearts was overflowing into their lives and the star of the show was God. The only movement that Jesus ever founded was the church. The church was Jesus' idea. He said, Go and make disciples. How far do we go? To every nation. How long do we go? Until I come back again. Go and make disciples. And from that commissioning, the disciples went out, and this movement known as the church began to take root, and it began to spread all over uh, uh, the Middle East and into Asia and into India and into Europe and eventually across the oceans, into the States, into the Americas. This movement known as the church gathers in local congregations like this one where believers from around our community come together to worship and to minister and to share the gospel and to grow in our walk with Christ. This movement that Jesus started gathers together in local congregations. The only movement that Jesus ever began is the local church. And I believe that the local church is the hope of the world because we share the one message that can truly heal the brokenness of the soul. And everybody has the common reality of our need for forgiveness. Everybody has the common reality of pain and brokenness. And we have the joy of sharing the message that can heal the soul. I believe he wants you and me to say there is a church. There is a church where believers are willing to reach out to the lost and the lonely, the young and the old, the rich and the poor. There is a church where people live life together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're united by the most powerful force in the universe, the power of Almighty God. There is a church that works together. To share the gospel. To find the lost. To meet people at their point of need. To make a difference in our community. To equip saints. To be more godly. To bring glory to our God. There is a church where Jesus is Lord. And the power of the cross of Calvary is not just something that we read about on the pages of Scripture. But the power of the cross is something that we're experiencing in the pages of our life. There is a church where the forgotten find love, where the poor find compassion, and those that are disillusioned find something authentic. A church where those imprisoned by the chains of sin find freedom, where the ill find healing, where the weak find strength, and the spiritually blind Find sight. I want to be a part of a church like that. Don't you? A church that cares. And I pray that whenever it's all said and done and we stand before the Lord, we talk about the legacy of Murphy Church, that our legacy will simply be the Lord added to their number daily, those who are being saved. Would you be so kind as to stand with me, please, as we bow our heads? We come to a time of commitment. I'll be here at the front as always. If there's anything that I can pray with you about, if today you need to make a decision to follow Christ as your Lord and Savior, perhaps you've been running from Christ and you need to turn back to Him. It's always my honor and joy to pray with you. I'll be right down here at the front, and I would love to pray with you. I want to ask you a question, and it's it's a sharp question, but I want you to deal with it honestly. And that question is this, do you care? Do you care about the things of the Lord? Do you care about your church family and what's going on in their lives? Do you care about others? Jesus said, love your neighbor. Do you care about your neighbor? Do you care about the people that he's moved into your community? The children that attend the schools, the children that will come to VBS? Does your heart ever break? Do you care? For some of us throughout life, we've been hurt, we've been wounded, and so we've put band-aids of cynicism and doubt over our wounds. And we try to protect ourselves from being hurt again by being cold and numb. We turn inward instead of outward. And in the process, we lose the essence of what life is all about life is not all about you life is about loving God loving one another and loving others and so I challenge you this morning to open your heart anew if you've grown cold and numb to ask God Lord help me to care again help me to love I pray that as a church that we will care Help us, Lord, to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Help us, Lord, to make sure that we never walk alone, that we love each other and care for one another, that we bear one another's burdens, and help us, Lord, to care about the world around us. Lord, we can't change everything, but help us to make a difference right where we are. May we be different and make a difference. And may we praise God through it all.